Good morning, everybody. Please find your way back to your seat. And remain standing for the reading of God's word. Today's reading is Colossians 3, 1 through 14. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the way, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, you are dismissed. You can head to the lobby and find your teachers. Parents, if you have not checked in your children, there is a check-in computer in the lobby as well as outside, so please make sure that all children have been checked in for King's Quest. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Amy. It's tough work, like being able, trying to talk over kids running outside to get away from this place as quickly as possible. But I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to going to get in God's word. God, you are the one who speaks and you are faithful to do that. Help us to be receptive, to be open to the words that you have for us, the encouraging words, the corrective words, the convicting words, the words that remind us of who we are in you and of who you are to us. God, thank you for being faithful Thank you for your long-suffering in bearing with us, your people, for all this time and your faithfulness that will continue. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we, like we, Christians, the church, is, it, we are a peculiar thing. 
uh, and I know we're peculiar because often is the case, at least for, for pastors, um, if you are in a conversation with somebody, uh, it turns out that you ask them a lot of questions and you get to hear a lot about their life. And then when they ask you a question and you say what you do, that stops and ends. The conversation is over because people don't know how to engage what this thing is, the church, because we're a peculiar people. And often, um, well, sometimes, maybe not often, well, maybe more often recently, it seems like we're peculiar for the wrong reasons, um, when we should be peculiar for other, more compelling reasons. Uh, we were talking, or my wife was talking with somebody who said, do your kids play instruments? Uh, and she's like, no. She's like, oh, he's like, well, I mean, you guys are Christian, so I just thought they'd play instruments. Um, and... <laughs> I'm like, wow, we, we have like a lot of work to do because they, have, they haven't even, they haven't even tried yet. Uh, but there's this, there's this sense in which the church are a group of people that the world should be trying to make sense of, but for the best reasons. How is it that they are that way with each other? How is it that they are that way in the world? We do not understand it. We do not get it. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a text. We're going to continue in our, in our conversation on spiritual formation of what that is and what that looks like. And we're going to talk about spiritual formation as it's connected to community. Because we're going to look at a text in Colossians where it shows this peculiar group of people and how they are to be and what it is they look like. But before that, I want to recap a little bit of what I talked about last week, this sense of formation being both um, something that is a reality, that is already true. We are people who are already being formed, even if you think you are not, you are being formed right this moment. And all the different decisions that we make, all the different things we set our minds on, it's forming us. But we're also invited into this work of formation. It is something that the Spirit of God has invited us into, and He, the Spirit, is, is enacting all the time through Christ's presence in our lives. It's reality. We are in Christ. That is true. That is fact. But it's also something we participate in. Yes, we're invited in, but this work of the Spirit is something that we work alongside the Spirit with. We participate in our formation along with the Spirit as we are open and receptive to that Spirit. Now, Jesus is the person who reveals the perfect example of what this type of life looks like. And that's why at Grace, we talk a lot about learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. Because if we want to know what kingdom life looks like, we look to the one who embodies it perfectly and fully. And we want to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. And as a community, we do that through four core practices. We want to be people who welcome, who listen, who follow, and who go. We want to be welcoming as God is welcoming of us. We want to welcome others. We want to listen to a God who speaks, but we also want to be people who embody that listening as we listen to other people. We want to follow, hanging on to every word of Jesus, looking at his life, learning from him what it is he's calling us to do. And then we want to be people who go, be people who go on a mission in the world, sent as Jesus has been sent by the Father, so we are sent in the world. But here's the catch. We are not called as individuals, or we are called as individuals, but not only as individuals. We're called to a community, 
a group of people who find themselves in Christ. And that is good, and that is the hardest thing in the world. So we're going to look at that this morning. If you want, you can turn into your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. In your blue Bibles, it's page 984. So Colossians chapter 3, page 984. And so this morning, here's what I want to look at. I want to look at a redeemed community that is formed by Christ and disciplined by grace. So a redeemed community formed by Christ and disciplined by grace. So first, a redeemed community. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is God has been enacting this story of redemption, which we actually looked at when we looked at the story of Scripture. This, th- he's been enacting the story of redemption where he's redeemed a community of people together. Now I want to look at Colossians 3.1. So if you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's where I want to stop. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So this idea of being raised with Christ assumes that one's life has been buried with Christ, identifying with Christ's death, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, Paul says in Galatians. So we have been buried with Christ, but we've been raised with Christ. We have opportunity to new life. We are people who are redeemed, who are saved, who are together finding themselves as having new life in Jesus. But again, it's a group of people. We are each called to follow Jesus, but we are called to follow Jesus with one another. And our identity as people are people who are redeemed, which means that in, an hour, in our own power, it was impossible for us to redeem or save ourselves, but we needed a God who came to us in the person of Jesus, whose life, death, and resurrection means absolute and full life for a people for a group of people. So we are first a redeemed community, but we are also a community formed by Christ. And I mean three things by this, but let me first read Scripture. Again, I'm going to start in Colossians 3.1. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. 
And in that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. So we are a people who've been redeemed, so there are, now we are free to live in a way that is different. We can put to death our old ways. Anger, wrath, malice. We don't need to lie to each other. Why? Because we've been set free. But then we're a community who is formed by Christ. First, I mean that we are formed because of Christ. That it is only because of Jesus that we have any of this, that we exist at all together. It's not our great idea. This community of people is not our great idea. It is God's idea formed by Christ. I mean, maybe it's obvious. When I say that, you think, well, yeah, absolutely. But if the Apostle Paul never got tired of saying it to the people he was talking to who should know better, then we should never get tired of saying it to one another or listening to that. Every letter Paul writes, he cannot help himself. He needs to remind the people of who they are. Because we are forgetful. We forget what makes us who we are. And first and foremost, it is Jesus Christ, because of his life and death, that we are any of this, any of what we claim to be in our best expression of followers of Jesus is only because of Jesus. See, Christ is our life. He is all and in all. So first, we're formed by Christ, but also we're formed around Christ. We're formed around Christ. He ultimately is our Lord. If there is anything we have most in common, or we are to have most in common, it's our allegiance to Jesus. First and foremost, that is the thing that we are to have allegiance to, Jesus. Jesus, his person, what he reveals, who he is and what he's about, that is what our allegiance to. But imagine all of the things we love to form ourselves around. I mean, the last few years has, has shown us how tempted we are to form our identities around other things. Culture gives us so many opportunities, so many idols that are wonderful and beautiful and promise life, and we say yes, and we form our lives around those, and then we find other people who want to form their lives around that, and then all of a sudden we are a tribe whose allegiance is no longer to Jesus, but to something else entirely. But a community that's redeemed and formed by Christ is a community that's been called together because of Christ, but is formed around Jesus. He is our ultimate authority. He is our center. He is our Lord. He is our politic. Not our preferences, not our affiliations, not our leanings, but Jesus. Colossians 3.11 again. 
See, in this renewal, in the renewal in knowledge according to the image of its creator, in that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. So because our, the minds are being renewed into the image of its creator, it's possible for Jews and Gentiles to be together. It's possible for Scythians, which were warriors and barbarians, who were, would maybe feel like uncivilized people could actually be together with Jews and Greeks. Those who were circumcised, uncircumcised, all of a sudden they found themselves together and that is what made them peculiar. How is it that all of those people can be together? Because Christ is all and in all. But the last thing I mean by formed by Christ is that this is a community that is continually being formed internally. We together as individuals, but also as a collective, are being formed internally by the work of Jesus. See, if Christ is all and in all, then the work of Christ through the Spirit of God is constantly forming us into the people that God would hope for us to be would want for us to be. So God has not left us. Jesus has not disappeared. Jesus is at work. So even in our most difficult, hard, challenging times as a community, and I'm speaking of Grace Long Beach, but also at large, there's a commitment to believing, to hoping that Jesus Christ has not left, but is all and in all, continuing to shape and form us together. People, or not even people, I ask this, when I meet somebody who professes to not be a Christian, so it's not that I don't know, but they, they, they say, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus, and their life looks almost better. They just seem like better people to me. Um, I have friends who are not Christians, and I think, wow, I wish I was as generous as they were, or I wish I, I was as, 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 as giving as they are. And I think, like, how? Like, I actually, I'm a pastor, and I believe, or I've been taught to believe that, like, we're supposed to be just better. Um, if we have Jesus, then we're automatically, by default, just better. But that's just not the case, if you look around. And it's not the case of people I see. And so I think, well, what makes our lives any different? Which is a question we need to wrestle with. It's a question I need to wrestle with. Well, one of my commitments to, to believing is that something that makes my life different, even if externally I don't appear better as a person, that I have the hope that Jesus Christ is somehow active in my life, shaping me. That I have the hope that Christ is somehow, through the work of his spirit, even in my limitations, even in my failings, forming me. That I have a hope, even in the community that I'm a part of, and trust me, there are some of you, not just here, not here necessarily, but out there, I think, you should not be here, you should not be part of this. Like, I, I sometimes think I give us a bad rap, so I would pick and choose. So what is, like, so what's going on? But God is at work in us, and I need you, and you need me, and somehow there's the commitment of Christ is forming us even in the midst of all of that complication, 
My friends who do not profess to be Christians and who are not a part of a community are actually missing out on some significant sanctifying possibilities because they get to pick and choose the people that they hang out with. They can actually distance themselves from others who do not think the way that they do. We, by default, because we are a community formed by Christ, do not have that option. And every Sunday we remember, we do not have that option. And that is good, even if it means it is the hardest thing in the world. But Christ is all and in all and continuing to be faithful to form me and shape me. And I trust and I hope that he is continuing to form and shape you and that together we are a redeemed community being formed by Christ. But because this is so hard, we are a community that needs to be disciplined by grace. We are a community that needs to be disciplined by grace. It's the only thing that's going to make any of this work. Verse 12, Colossians 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. I ask you, has the church been defined by these things for the last few years? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. I love that. Bear with one another. Like, you just need to put up with each other. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So when I want to talk about community and spiritual formation... What I want to say is one of the significant ways that the Spirit of God forms us is through this, through our relationships with other people. It's one of the most significant shaping forces in our life. And it's tempting to remove ourselves from it because of the work it requires, but to do so would be to miss out on the work that the Spirit of God can do through relationships. But in order for it to work, we need to be people who are disciplined by grace. Now, what I mean by that is it means that grace needs to be the thing that is our um, the foundation. Like, we need to extend and show one another grace, but it, that won't work unless we recognize that we are people in need of and who have received grace. I mean, how does Paul here call people to forgive? Forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. Our ability to extend grace and forgiveness is limited insofar as we believe that we have needed that from Jesus and we have received that from Jesus. If I don't believe I am a sinner in need of grace, trust me, I will believe that you are a sinner in need of justice. 
But if we are sinners in need of grace, then of course our leaning toward forgiveness is possible. Now, forgiveness is hard work, and I want to recognize the complexity of forgiveness. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a long journey, and it requires, it requires more than one person for that to actually take place and to happen. So it's long and complex work. What I'm calling us to, what I think Paul is calling us to, is to be people who are leaning into that work, who are willing to be a part of that work. So we're a redeemed community who can put to death our old way of life. We can actually be people who can put on a new way of life. We are formed around Christ, noting, knowing that Jesus is our center, our Lord, and this is all possible because of Jesus. But we need to be people who are disciplined by grace. That is the foundation. But to be disciplined by it means to be people who participate in it. We actually need to engage certain disciplines certain formative actions that help us to be people who are this way. We need to bear with one another. We need to forgive each other. We need to be people marked by peace. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We need to teach and admonish one another. We need to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs because that will help us become a community of people who remember we're redeemed, who remember what we're formed by, and then what we're called to be peculiar for. But again, this is required because of the people that Christ has brought together. There's this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together. And I don't think there's, this is maybe a, like one of the top three, and I'm not being, this is not hyperbolic. One of the top three ideas for me in my pastoral vocation. This idea shapes the way that I think about church, the way that they think about community more than so many other things. And it's going to be a long quote, but I put a little bit up here for you can, but you can listen along. So those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. God hates this wishful dreaming, Bonhoeffer goes on to say, because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community, they demand that it be fulfilled by God by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another and God accordingly. It is not we who build. Christ builds the church. Whoever is mindful to build the church is surely well on the way to destroying it, for he will build a temple to idols without wishing or knowing it. We must confess he builds we must proclaim, he builds. We must pray to him, and he will build. We don't know his plan. We cannot see whether he is building or pulling down. It may be that the times which by human standards are the times of collapse are for him the great times of construction. It may be that the times which from a human point are great times for the church are times when it's pulled down. It is a great comfort which Jesus gives to the church. You confess, you preach, you bear witness to me, and I alone will build where it pleases me. Do not meddle in what is not your providence. 
Do what is given to you and do it well, and you will have done enough. Live together in the forgiveness of your sins. Forgive each other every day from the bottom of your hearts. Here's why these words are so important. Every moment in our being part of the church are tempted to believe that our ideal community is the community that we should make and create. We are constantly, constantly tempted to think our idealized version of what this could be is what God or what Jesus wants. But who is here and who you are and who Christ has brought is what Christ has done. To suggest otherwise or to believe this person should be here or this person shouldn't be here is to suggest that there is a better form of community. That there is a better, more idolized version of this thing we call church. Now, as a pastor, I am called to shepherd this place. You, us, and trust me, so much of my prayer is to think, God, this is who you've brought. This is what you're up to. Please protect me from wanting it to be any different than it is. But it is so tempting. I have so many better ideas of what this place could be. I have so many better ideas of who could be here or who couldn't be here. And you do too. And every time we look around and we sing songs together, we are tempted to think, man, it would just be better if. And you can fill in the blank. But man, Bonhoeffer's words, those who are on their way to build the community are in fact perhaps working to destroy it. Convicting. And so in order to be a community of people who believe that this is the community that Jesus has actually brought, if that's going to exist and exist and flourish and be wonderful, then it needs to be disciplined by grace. Dallas Willard says, you know, this picture in Colossians, it shows a redeemed community, but it turns out so many of us don't want that. We don't want a redeemed community because it's just so much harder. We, don't, we want a community that's actually less kind, less compassionate, less meek, less humble, less loving, less forgiving, because that turns out to be a whole lot easier. A whole lot easier. But the community that Jesus is after, this thing called the church... It requires forgiveness and compassion and meekness and humility and bearing with one another. And it requires it constantly. And if it feels like work, it's because it is. It's work with the Spirit to help us be a people, the people that the Spirit has called us to be. And so then what are, what are the disciplines? What are maybe the formative practices 
or the things to be setting our minds on that would help us be people disciplined by grace? Well, Colossians gives those to us. Peace, gratitude, receptivity, and commitment. You know, again, I'll read Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, starting in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to the one body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is a sense of peace with God, recognizing that we've been brought into peace with God, but it's also letting the peace of Christ exist within us in our relationships. In Ephesians, it talks about protecting, or it talks about actually living in and the bond of peace of the Spirit. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts between us and God, but between us and each other. And be thankful. I love that. Just a little bit. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts and be thankful. As if somehow this peace is connected to our gratitude. That to be people who are disciplined by grace is to be people who are marked by gratitude. We should be peculiar for the peace that we have with God and with each other and peculiar for the ways that we are thankful. We cannot help but be thankful people. And then receptivity, in particular to the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This sense of being people who are committed to, to letting the word of Christ. Yes, scripture, but also Christ is risen again from the dead and he's present through the spirit and continues to commune with us and speak to us. And so be, so be ruled by the, by the word, but also by the ongoing voice and leading of Jesus Christ. Let it dwell in us richly. And then finally, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. So how do they get commitment out of that? Well, there's the sense that we can only teach and admonish one another if we are people who are wise and committed to being wise, but it, but it assumes a certain commitment to one another. I mean, have you ever had people teach and admonish you that you have no relationship with? It doesn't go over well. So we need to remain committed to one another in order to be people who are able to teach and to admonish and to warn. But it's a continual pointing to the shepherd that is Jesus. That is our call as a community, to be people marked by peace, be people marked by gratitude, be people marked by receptivity to the word of Jesus, and to be people marked by a commitment to one another, but also to pointing one another to the one who has life, to the good shepherd. So are these the reasons that we as a community are peculiar? When you read Colossians, do you think, huh, nailed it? Or do you think, whoa, we have a long way to go? Because the truth is we do have a long way to go. 
the church in 2022 has a long way to go. But the beautiful thing about the church and what Jesus has accomplished is that we actually have all the time in the world to be faithful to what God has called us to do. That we are people who can be open. Be open to this sense that we are redeemed and what that means to be open to the God who has saved us who has pulled us out of these lives of death. We are a God who has formed this people around Jesus, but we believe and trust in a God who has formed this people around Jesus, and we can be people disciplined by grace. Now, one of the most important formative actions that we participate in many times a month is communion. Now, this practice Yes, it's something we do, but this is the picture of what it means to be people who are marked by peace. Why can we come to the table? Because God has made peace with us through Jesus on the cross, through his body, through his blood. Peace. This is also the table that calls us and reminds us to be people who are grateful, who are open to the abundance of God that he has held nothing back But as we take the bread, as we take the wine, we remember that he's given his very self. His very self. Think about that when you're partaking communion this morning. This also reminds us that we are people who need to be receptive. Open hands. You cannot hold, like literally cannot hold the bread and the wine if your hands are closed. The only way that we can be people who are marked by the table is to be people whose hands are open. To be people whose hands are open, knowing that Jesus has what we need. And this table reminds us of the commitment that's required to one another. As you come up, as you see people, you see the community that Christ has formed, not the one you would have chosen. Trust me, I know that's true. But the one that is, and the one that Jesus has made possible, and the ones that you are called to be committed to, and the way and the resources and the power that you have to be committed to that is here, in the very body and blood of Jesus. So we're going to continue in our worship. You guys can stand. I'd actually like to call the servers forward, please. Now, just as a reminder, there's both wine and juice. Wine is in the clear cups. And there are two options for bread this morning. There are, there's um, a loaf to pull from. And then there are also um, options to be able to... Are there options to be, take bread? I want to make sure. Oh, and then some of the gluten-free crackers. Okay, so those are your options this morning. Um, I'd like to pray uh, for this space, and then we'll continue together. God, thank you for your very life. Thank you that you've redeemed us. Thank you that you've formed us. Thank you that it is your grace that sustains us and disciplines us. Help us to be people who are open and receptive. Help us to be people marked by peace. 
Help us to be people who are committed. Help us to be people who are thankful. Amen.